When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. City Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. Hey, back with you. Top of the hour here on Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency, live from the H&H Chevrolet it's stage. Weird. <laughs> it was just on the television. Hale Varsity Did you see Club. that? What? It said GoCurrency.com. I, the mystery. If I'm, li- if I'm lying, I'm dying. <laughs> well, you know how we're, all, if we're, we're, we're already paranoid. Right, it's like we say something, and all of a sudden we see it pop up on yeah, the ads, the computer, the phone and, you, and you just said gocurrency.com, and it was right there on the television. Yeah, like Rawlings baseball glove, Rawlings baseball glove, Rawlings yeah. baseball glove. If I start scrolling Facebook, it's gonna be like, hey, you want a Rawlings baseball glove? Stop. You know what? That's what it does. They just, listen to us. That's why you don't do Facebook? Do you have an like Amazon, like Echo, or anything like that? That I have a. You know, is that the same as Siri? No, Siri's on your phone. Uh, you probably have Am- like Alexa, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's Amazon. Yeah, I have her. Um, so, like, are you, you talk ever to afraid her? that she's listening to you? No, but when I don't want her in my business, I, she's unplugged. <laughs> you know who I want in my business? Who? Sam McEwen. Oh, for sure. Because I just found out. He heard out- us saying good things about him last week, maybe. He, he, I hope so. Sam, I just found out that you're a diehard Bears fan right before we got back. Oh, oh, Sam, Sam you with us? I there, am. There he is. Hi, Sorry. Sam. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm, oh, yeah, I'm a lifelong Bears fan. Hey, how about what uh, happened? Oh, here we night? go. Hey, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, how, I'll get back with you guys here in about 15 minutes. <laughs> how fantastic was it to see our guy, Lovey Smith, give us the number one pick? Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, I, I feel bad that Lovey got fired. Um, but, you know, like I think there's, I, I think there's, um, you know, kind of a kind of a what do you call it? A symmetry to that, mm-hmm. an irony to that, and and you know, so I think there's a kind of, I don't know. Um, it was, you know, it's a. I'm glad the Bears got the first pick. Isn't that weird? You know, you're a dire Bears right. fan, and you're kind of glad they lost, and and. Uh, because now they don't have to worry about whether there's a second quarterback or there's a second team that wants to go up, um, you know. So you know, because Houston was probably going to take one of the two, and then you got to hope that the second one is uh, is as good. Now the question is, should the Bears pick quarterback? You know, right. and, I, and I don't think they're going to do that. I think they're going to trade them, trade the pick, and get two, hopefully from Seattle, and and uh, try to build around Justin Fields. But I, I got to tell you, I'm if you're going to ask me. Between Justin Fields and Bryce Young, I'll take I'll take Bryce Young, but we'll see what the Bears do. Ooh, interesting blasphemy. Because I'm more on the Justin Fields side of things, but uh, you you make a good case. Everybody makes a good case for Bryce Young. Hey, I don't know how you can't. Sam, let me ask you something. I want to go. Let's go global with cut with college football. Here is on the heels of of TCU in in Georgia tonight, and and you can even weave in Coach White if you will. And I think people were surprised, right? The way 
that TCU played and their level of physicality. And then everybody started to talk about the three-three-five and could it work. And as the Big Ten evolves offensively, and let's say Nebraska uses a tight end and a fullback in 2023 and Wisconsin goes air raid, did you like the way that Coach White's comments landed in terms of how they want to play defense when you look at the rest of college football? Or could you you didn't allow yourself to do that because it's just about Nebraska getting better in the short term? I liked all of his comments. I, I thought <laughs> yeah, he was good. Yeah, he was really good. He's the real deal. Um, you, you could actually see a lot of his personality in that press conference. Toward the end when he starts going, okay, you know, you can kind of see him getting going. You know, I thought that was great. Um, no, he, he – uh, I think I think what he tried to explain, and I wasn't there. I had a previously uh, scheduled engagement on Friday, so I'll get a chance to catch up with him in a later date, but – I think what he was trying to describe was, hey, you know, we want we want to have versatility on defense. We want we will decide what we do with that extra player, where that guy plays, the kind of player he is. Uh, I think at Syracuse it was one kind of guy. At Nebraska it could be somebody else. But I think what he's what he's really pushing is this idea of putting a defense out on the field they can do a lot of different things against a lot of different kinds of offenses. And it's especially attuned to the spread, right? So, like, um, he mentioned that the, the you know, the formation uh, group or personnel grouping that is the most common in the Big Ten is 11 personnel, and that's accurate. You know, like, there's a lot of teams. You look at Penn State, for example. Penn State's operating out of 11 personnel almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's operating out of 11 personnel almost all the time. So the defense that he runs is a, is a pretty good fit for a lot of what the teams do uh, in the Big Ten, including now apparently Wisconsin. Um, so isn't that wild? You know, I, 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 yeah, it, a little bit. But I can I say that like I can understand both positions. I can understand why Nebraska is doing what it's doing, and I can understand why Wisconsin feels like they have to do something else than what they've been doing because. I think it does take a lot of good football players to win at the highest level running that offense. And I think Nebraska's going to run into that too. Uh, you better recruit, you better know how to recruit. And Matt Rule is very confident in his recruiting. And so you better know how. Because if you're going to run this offense, the offense they intend on running, you better have all the pieces. You better have a good offensive line too. And I think Wisconsin was always finding that they were kind of running up against when they had to go play Ohio State and Michigan, they didn't have the horses to do what they were doing. And so they're trying to go for more versatility. But back to Tony White, you know, I think he's just, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got he's got a lot of thoughts about what they're going to do. And I think part of what he wants to do is probably develop multiple kinds of defenses that can that can attack all kinds of different kinds of offenses. And that three three five is built, I think, in that in that idea. Like you know, if you run a, a true four three, before down linemen and you got a four-man pass rush and all that, there's just certain things that you're going to be about. Lovey Smith is an example of that. Um, but, I, but I think that the new way of doing things is we're going to bring guys from all over the place. You're not going to know what we're going to do. Sometimes we're going to bust and we're going to give up a big play, but other times we're going to get you behind the line of scrimmage. And that's what people saw in the TCU-Michigan game. TCU's defense made 
body blow plays. I mean, knockout plays. Uh, two, two defensive touchdowns, TFLs, all that stuff. They were an offense on defense. We're speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and a Nebraska com- columnist for the Omaha World-Herald. You can toss him a follow on Twitter, at SWMcEwenOWH, and he has some fantastic articles about that exact thing he was just talking about regarding Tony White. And on the other side of the football, offensively, Sam, uh, the, the big thing, uh, the big word that everybody heard was fullback uh, that <laughs> yeah. Marcus Satterfield had, uh, had mentioned. And uh, he's not talking about, you know, your stereotypical fullback. He's talking probably a more dynamic athlete when he uses that term. But based on what you have seen, whether, whether it's built on the roster or even fullbacks available, if there are a, a true fullback that they may be eyeing up, uh, you know, the question is who? Who can be the fullback in this offense? And you laid out some names in your article, and I'm curious uh, for you to expand on those. Yeah, I don't know if any of those names are, are going to fit. I was just talking about guys that are you know, currently on the team. But I think what they had at South Carolina was a guy by the name of Jaheim Bell, and he's a really good player. He's going to play in the NFL. And interestingly enough, Satterfield was criticized for not using Bell enough. Uh, as a receiver, and that was in the middle of the season. They had this terrible game against Missouri, and I, I suspect Satterfield would do things differently if if he had that game to do over again. But but then they figured it out by the end of the season, and they were using Bell as a running back and as a, and as a pass catcher. And so he's six three and two hundred and thirty five pounds, and uh, he could do a lot of things. He's very position versatile. He's similar to a Stephen Carter. Uh, I don't think Nebraska has season Carter right now. That guy was and playing so on Sundays. Get it. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, I don't think they have. I don't think they have that guy right now, and, and so they're probably either going to have to develop him or they're going to have to find him. And so I speculated, okay, well, you know, Quentin Ives is six three, one eighty. Could he bulk up and become that player? Uh, that's the kind of the stretch. Uh, Goodwin, who's a walk on from Lincoln High, kind of has that size profile. Um, you know, do they have a running back on the roster that could kind of bulk up or be that? Gabe Irvin, six foot two fifteen. Chancellor Brunson would have been a great fit. I mean, that that would have been a guy that you would have tried to use in that role. It's more of a positionless role. So just so people know, like, yes, it's a fullback, but it's a person who can line up as a fullback, you know, either as an eight back, can do a lot of different things. So I think people need to be thoughtful about. They're probably not, you know, getting a five foot ten and one hundred ninety seven pound fullback, uh, you know, who can uh, go up, you know, on, on a fullback dive. You know, that kind of, I think that's not quite what we're thinking about. So Snodgrass and Borkature uh, interest me there as kind of those H back yeah, versus. You know, because I think Borkature is a, a better athlete than we give him credit for. He's. He's good at the point of attack, and he, we know he can catch the ball, and he wears 49. I mean, he's already – he's like <laughs> two-thirds of the way there. Yeah, I think he's an interesting player, um, and they, they may they, they look look at him. There's, especially yeah, there's, there's if, a, especially if A.J. Possible. Rollins can hang in there and develop, right? Yes. Now, A.J. 6'6". Six, six. I mean, he's – No, I, I meant where he could play number, more of the classic tight end role. Yeah, yeah. I, I think AJ physicality was probably the you know best fit for a tight end coming forward. 
you know, challenge with Sedoni is, hey, he's got to play, you know, and you got to learn how to play at the college football level, and that takes, like, playing in games, not just, you know, running running stairs and doing things like that. And then, you know, how, how much is he going to weigh, and, and can he play an inline tight end? There's just things you don't really know about him because he hasn't played. He hasn't played. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Carney, who, who's banged up a little bit, I think, and then um, Hickman, who's always been a little banged up. So, you know, I, there's some question marks there, and Rollins was the one that kind of emerged last year as among the young guys, somebody you thought maybe could develop more into this season. And, yeah, Borkertrue, who was the number two tight end last year, and maybe he can move to that role. And and maybe they go find somebody in the offseason. Jaheim Bell didn't come to Nebraska. <laughs> he, he transferred to Florida State. So, um, you know, he's going to play a lot there, and people will, will hear his name next season. But Satterfield wasn't kidding about the fullback thing. They had one last year, and that was that was Bell. And mm-hmm. people can go watch his his play on uh, on YouTube. I thought Satterfield was interesting, just because, you know, I got to see him in that environment, kind of hold court with with media. I've also talked to him, you know, just kind of sit down one on one, and he strikes me, Sam, as the type of guy that's pretty straightforward, right? He's gonna you're gonna probably yeah. have to be very secure <laughs> in yourself because he's probably gonna say some things in a way that could give you some pause. I'm looking at quarterback play, Sam. I'm looking at what he what he had to do with Rattler and how patient he had to be with the evolution of that offense. And remember, it didn't click for South Carolina until late, and he had four different guys playing running back, and he ended up getting a converted tight end to play running back. And so I think he'll do what it takes to move the football. But what kind of quarterback and their mindset do you think will mesh well with Coach Sat? Uh, somebody who's mentally tough. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, <laughs> somebody who uh, is smart, but you know, like, is understands what they're trying to get done, mm-hmm. um, and 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 understands that in a way that's, uh, hey, we're 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 trying to possess the football and develop a certain kind of culture within this program and that means that means certain things and this these are things that we want you to do like run the ball um, so yeah I, I think I think Satterfield is a, a strong minded guy not that Mark Whipple wasn't he was uh, but you know I think Whipple could be ah well, you know we're gonna we're gonna throw the ball and you just stand back there and throw us where you want to go you know, and that kind of thing. Like, you know, and, and I think I think quarterbacks kind of naturally tend to that. Like, oh, you want me to throw the ball deep? Oh, okay. And you know, so I think this offense will be a little different. It'll, it'll it'll be a little bit more ball control. It'll be a little bit more. Hey, we're gonna we're gonna play action. There's gonna be guys at three levels. I need you to hit this guy. And you know, when you hit your back foot, you got one opportunity to reset your feet and then throw the ball. So there's going to be, I think, a lot of uh, – and some of that comes from rule. It's not all just from Satterfield. But you're going to have to play this position a certain way, mm. and it's going to have to be, you know, game manager first and then playmaker after that. So that's always been rule's M.O. Like his his quarterbacks have not been, you know, run around all over the field and up and down. So I, I can understand why perhaps it took it took a while for Sat, Satterfield – 
and Rattler to get on the same page because, you know, Rattler is kind of a – he wants to make a lot of big plays. So, yeah, I, I think they're going to take a tough-minded person. I'll be curious to see how Casey works because Casey has opinions. And, and even and he, Sims, I, I, Casey is a guy that I have more confidence that can um, – you know, just because I know what he's about. Mm-hmm. You know, I know him a little better. I, I, I think he's a pro's mm-hmm. pro. I don't know Sims at all. I'll be curious to to see how he receives instruction. I watch him on film, Sam, and, you know, when his feet are set, he's got a, he's got a hose. Um, mm-hmm. He can deliver good footballs, but, you know, mechanics and, and staying on balanced. He's, there's a lot of polishing they've got to do with Sims. I, I'll be curious to see how that whole thing unfolds. Me too. Um, you know, he, he was playing in a, in a program that, that just didn't have enough good football players for what they were trying to accomplish. Um, so he, he got there at a time when they're trying to transition from a triple option offense to a kind of a, you know, pro, more of a pro-style zone read offense. And, you know, I, I, I think he probably felt a lot of pressure in that on that team to just make plays. Mm. Because they, they had two guys, really, and, and one of them then left for Alabama, and then uh, and it was kind of just him. So I think it was I – think, I think in Nebraska he'll be in a, he'll be in a tighter structure and he'll, he'll be working for two coaches that will be real clear on what they want. So I, I do think he will develop better. But we'll see with Casey. I mean, I think it's, it's – uh, it'll be interesting. He's tough. Casey's really tough. Very. And I, you know, and, and he can throw the football, and 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 he can do what you ask him to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, as people have already seen with Casey, he has opinions. He's a long, he's a he's a uh, verbal processor. He's going to want to work through all that. He's going to work very hard, but he's going to want to work through all those things. And and he, you know, the coach has got to got to be adapt a little bit to him too. Still speaking with Sam McEwen, sports editor and Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World-Herald. Sam, uh, with less than 10 days uh, before the portal closes, there were some visitors up in Lincoln over the weekend. Uh, where are you seeing the biggest uh, the need lie? Is that still on offensive line? Is that uh, on the defensive line? Is it a combination of both? Could it rest in tight end? Uh, what are you seeing? What are you hearing? And um, in regards to Billy Kemp, who was up there too, uh, I asked this mm-hmm. uh, to Brian Christofferson, and I'm I, and I'm going to ask you too. Uh, could he be a replacement for Trey Palmer, just based on the similar skill sets there? Uh, I'd be surprised if he were if he were a replacement for Trey Palmer. Um, and that that's not a knock on Billy Camp. That just you know, Trey's six two and a half and a sprinter. I mean, and, and there's not that many players like that. Um, and he's a straight line runner too. I mean, I mean Trey's going to have to make it in the NFL as a as that kind of player. He, he's not Stephon Diggs. <laughs> That's what I guess I mean to say. And Kemp's got some of those skill sets. He, he can he can move a little bit in an offense, and you know, and and sit down and shake defenders and all kinds of stuff. Anyway. Um, the offensive line appears to be what they think their need is, and if they have an opportunity to get Rouse from Stanford and the Baylor guard, I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name, but uh, Mizuka, he announced like tomorrow that. night. Yeah, yeah. 
He announces tomorrow night, Florida, Auburn, Nebraska. Rouse is Iowa, Nebraska, and Oklahoma. Uh, if they get both those guys, then you basically have three new starters on the offensive line, which would be quite an achievement uh, for Nebraska. And, and so I think that's what they feel like their need is. Defensive line, I mean, you always take defensive linemen, but those are, again, those are like gold. Those are it's it's really hard to to get the best ones and Nebraska got a couple in the last year that were okay um, but it's hard to get great ones because they're 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 taken pretty quickly uh, so you know uh, Malik Hornsby is out there but I think he's I don't think he's going to Nebraska uh, probably use another receiver what's that I, I'm Arkansas. He's just singing over here. Yeah, for Hornsby. Hey, but Sam, let me get you out of here on this. Um, I was asking Andrew about just the clarity of message nine months removed from each of the staffs, right? It's, could Coach X and Coach Y coexist? Do they seem like they're on the same page? Will it be pass happy versus mm-hmm. implementing run game? And we were kind of – we weren't sure. You know, nine months later, I, I think they've cast a clear vision on how they want to play. What do you attribute the stark contrast in casting the vision to? Well, I think I think you you attribute it to Scott Frost not really knowing exactly what he what he was looking for, what exactly he wanted when he uh, when he was out hiring and and hiring a guy in Mark Whipple that really didn't you know I I, I don't. I'm not going to say he didn't respect Scott, but Mark Whipple's his own guy. I mean, he's basically his own guy, and so you're hiring kind of you're kind of kind of a, a standalone coach there. Whereas Satterfield would, I think, attribute the majority of his coaching career, or he would say that Matt Rule is his biggest mentor. Coach so Rule doesn't leave much between that. Coach Rule doesn't leave much to chance, does he? Not there. He that doesn't. Just does. Just no. doesn't seem like it. Well, you know, I'll tell you. When he went to Carolina, he did. Uh, he hired. He hired Joe Brady, and he fired Joe Brady. Mm. So, um, and he fired him relatively quickly. Like I think halfway into his second year. So, like when he went to Carolina, I think actually Matt would say that when he went there, he did some things that he won't do again. And I think he thought that he needed to do some certain things to go to the NFL. And I think in hindsight being 2020, I think he was like, I'm just going to do the way things I want to do. And so I, I think Satterfield is that kind of hire. I think, I think Nebraska could have gone out and gotten, you know, a $1.5 million offensive coordinator. And I'm not saying Satterfield isn't, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think Matt Rule wants to go out and get a coordinator who's going to do what Matt Rule wants him to do. And I think on the defensive side of the ball, I think they went and got a really good coach. And and I think that guy, uh, Tony, is is just just a a rising star who really understand who's probably a head coach candidate here in about three to five years, mm. and and probably needs is is just a dynamic guy that can do a lot of things for them. So. I don't think that's that a big of a risk in hiring him. Plus, he's young, and the coordinator that Matt Rule had at uh, Carolina and Baylor. I mean, you know, he's he's 
he's about ready to retire. He's like 65 or 66. So, yeah, I think it's a I think it's a, a pretty solid step. And they're all gonna they're all on the Matt Rule train. You know, everybody mm-hmm. everybody likes Matt, and and they're they're gonna do what he asks them to do. Sam, you're the best man. We appreciate your time. We'll talk again next week. Take care. That's Sam McEwen, sports editor and a Nebraska columnist for the Omaha World Herald. Coming up next, we're talking to Brent Soboleski. He's an NFL analyst for Bleacher Report. Tons to get to with Week 18 in the playoff picture. And that is all coming your way next.